Uh, next episode, we will have Dan come back. Uh, we'll have a movie. Um, Dan will be back next episode. But today we have another great episode. Uh, today with us we have Joshua J. Smith. He's the writer and director of the new movie, Buckshot, a story of a young, inspiring country singer who meets up with an older, aging, outlaw country singer. And as they travel across America to get him to his last last performance, um, it's, they figure out the similarities and differences and how they can get along. Starring Tim Zazarn and Connor Murphy, it's a movie that we don't see very much anymore that we usually saw in the late 70s and 80s of a country southern style of a taste. And it was a refreshing to see that something that... As I get older, that we saw quite a bit with like Burt Reynolds movies and Chris Christopherson movies and country outlaw movies and cowboy ways and stuff. But slowly, it just gets kind of neglected, and it's refreshing to see Joshua J. Smith bring that kind of style and temperament back. Uh, before we move on, I want to give you a couple notes of um, the inspirations. Uh, and some of the music that was used in the movie are real-life performers. And one of them is from the vocalist of the band Sick String Outlaw. That's sick as L-S-I-C-K, Sick String Outlaw. Ron Houston um, provided some of the music. Cecil Allen Moore, Pee Wee Moore, provided some of the music. And another band, Mike and the Moon Pies. All these mus musicians and information, how you can find them, is on the movie's website, uh, www.buckshotmovie. That's www.buckshotmovie.com. Um, before we get to the interview, I want to cite um, some of the movies that um, Joshua inspi said to inspire him, not only just of the 70s and 80s style movies, but uh, a very l under the radar, um, especially if you just like mainstream consumerisms of movies. But um, Eagle Pinnell, he was a small independent movie. He inspired a lot of the film festivals, you see. I was somebody who makes these remarkable movies on a smaller budget. So he's inspired like uh, like Robert Rodriguez, who did uh, uh, El Macria. Um, Richard Linkletter, uh, who's actually from te Texas. And, you know, Kevin Smith, who did Clerks. These All these movies that are uh, smaller budget movies were pretty much inspired by... Eagle Pinnell, just showing how, with just limited resources and limited budget, how he's able to accomplish, uh, accomplish what he, on film. And um, you can find them. Uh, some of the movies are very hard to find. And uh, and just a sample of the movies that Eagle uh, Pinnell did will be like from 1983, The Last Night at the Alamo, and 1978 is the movie that kind of brought attention to smaller budget films on a wider scale. Uh, attention wide scale would be like the whole shooting match and the last run would probably be from 1990 a heart full of soul and right now as well as right now eagle Pinnell's films are kind of hard to find and view because a lot of them are not in print anymore or hard to find the prints and they haven't really crossed over into the digital age so it's very hard and difficult to find them if you can um, before we go, um, Joshua J. Smith cited uh, a documentary that he was involved with from 1997, um, late 90s, called um, 
Hands on a Hard Body. Um, it's a documentary that got rave reviews, and it was celebrated. A lot of film festivals got rave reviews, and you can definitely be able to watch it. And he talked a little bit about it on his interview, and you can find that on its website, www.handsonahardbodythemovie.com. It's a little bit long, but if you just type it out, how would I said it, you'd be able to find it and get your own copy, maybe view it yourself. So uh, before we get to the interview, um, I just want to make sure you can, if you want to, if you're interested in finding the, the musicians or music that's been used in the movie, simply go to the movie's website, www.buckshotmovie.com, and you can find all the information on there. And once again, July 31st, it becomes on demand and it becomes a rental, and you can certainly find it. And in late August coming up, it'll be in the San Antonio Film Festival. Up next is my interview with the writer-director of Buckshot, Joshua J. Smith, after these messages. Hey everybody, I'm TJ. I'm Serenity. And we are Movies Movies with with the the Misses. We are a podcast about catching up on the classics we've missed, the new releases, dishing on movie news, and always making fun of ourselves. Well, more making fun of you. Hey, come on now. (laughs) You could say that we are... A podcast about movie fans becoming movie fans. You can find us on all the podcast apps, including Stitcher, Spreaker, Spotify, and most importantly, iTunes. Also, hit us up on Twitter... Where you can hashtag twit at me, yo. At MWTM Podcast. Remember, take your missus to the movies before she finds a new mister you're not gonna find a new mister are you well don't test me is all i'm saying (laughs) hey i'm gerald and i'm natalie and we're the hosts of one of the most compelling and -and up-and-coming podcasts of the year this podcast covers all facets of conspiracies and all aspects of our world the best thing about conspiracies is that they encompass a multitude of genres yeah we focus on uh true crime and the paranormal among other great topics. These stories will have you searching for your own truth while we share ours on our podcast, Conspired. While listening to Conspired, listeners will hear as we spearhead each subject through candid discussion and divulge as much of the truth as possible so our listeners can paint a picture and make their own choice of what is truth and what is fiction. And as the creators of Conspired, we view this podcast as a place where skeptics and believers can come together to try to discover the truth. Also be prepared for the occasional dad joke from Gerald and heated debates where I usually win. They're not dad jokes. They're good jokes. They're funny. Sure. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram simply by searching Conspired. Yeah, Conspired, like like the spear you throw. Yeah, pretty much. So listen to us on your favorite podcast listening app. If you love what you hear, hit the subscribe button and give us a review. If you choose not to review us, please take the time and click the five-star button. Yeah, we look forward to you joining us in our weekly discussions about the unbelievable on Conspired. As you know, truth is often stranger than fiction. True that. Uh, we are back on the St. Paul Filmcast, and today we have a special guest. He is the writer and director of the new movie, Buckshot. We have Joshua J. Smith on. Thank you, Joshua. 
Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. <laughs> right. Um, the new movie is called Buckshot. Where could people find it initially if they were interested in seeing it? Yeah, right now it's up on iTunes for pre-order. And then July 31st, it's going to be on basically all VOD platforms uh, and satellite. So that's in a couple a couple of days, and this is why we're kind of getting it out there so everybody can find it on demand in a, by July 31st, right? There you go. There you go. And then uh, you'll be featured in uh, the San Antonio Film Festival. Is that correct? Yeah, we're playing there on August 5th. So, and the movie has like a, you know, uh, there's a part of the movie where they stop in Texas. So it'll be good to show it to right. some Texas folks, you know? <laughs> right, right. Uh, so you, you wrote and direct the movie, and I know you've done previous works, but what was kind of uh, the, uh, the idea, the inspiration to write the movie? Yeah, yeah. Well, actually, why don't we we start out? I'll just like pitch you guys what the movie is. Yeah, let's do and that. And then, yeah. and then, yeah, we can we can circle back to that. So, uh, yeah. Buckshot is it's a dramatic comedy, and it's about a young struggling country singer who moves to Nashville to follow in his late father's footsteps of becoming a country star. But uh, when his father's checkered past derails his chances, his only job offer is to drive Buckshot Thomas an aging. Hard living honky tonk legend, cross country to what could be the last concert of his life. Yes, and it it, it has some comedic elements to it, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely, definitely. <laughs> I I always think like one of my favorite uh, directors is Alexander Payne, so I'm a huge fan of his kind of tone um, and some of his midwestern things, uh, different movies like Nebraska. Yes, and about Schmidt, so it's kind of got that tone to it a little bit. Yeah, it's, it's not supposed to be like uh, something for a uh, slapstick, but it's the definitely the situation makes it very f- hilarious. Yeah. yeah, and I feel with 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 uh, you know dramatic pieces, if you could make people laugh here and there, it kind of eases their their journey when they're yeah, watching yeah. the movie. It's a very serious tone movie, but you have element you have peppered comedy very well into the movie. I think definitely. Thank yeah. you, thank you. Yeah, and I I came up with the idea when I first uh, I. Started out in the in the movie business in Austin, Texas, and uh, when I was a lowly PA, a production assistant, kind yeah. of like a, a you know the go and get coffee gopher kind of guy. Right. Um, yep. I, I, I was doing a, I was using a music video with Willie Nelson, who's one of my heroes, and uh, I was the guy that had to bring him from his bus to the set so i had a lot of interaction with him and later in the day i was finally invited onto the bus which is one of my uh like kind of country music fantasies come true holy smokes (laughs) yeah and i was uh he he was not partaking in any uh if it was little wacky weed stuff um because he he just he he had just got over pneumonia, so none of that stuff was happening. All right. Um, <laughs> all right but all right. Th- there was uh, the local uh, college football team, the Longhorns, were playing, and he he didn't have the TV was on the fritz or something. So he wanted updates on the football game. So I was his go-to guy. Um, so yeah, I got some FaceTime with him, and it was really amazing. But I had this idea that I thought it would be really interesting if there was a kind of the younger generation of uh, country singers that were coming up, if, if there was one person that actually got to be on Willie's bus and was able to go cross country with him, what, what could he learn, you know, from, 
from the master or a legend. And so that's kind of where it started. And then, and I'd always been a huge fan of country music, but I'd also okay. Okay. Gravi- I gravitated towards the, the movies of the 70s and 80s, like some of Willie's movies, like Honeysuckle Rose and Songwriter. And, and then I also was a big fan of like Smoking the Bandit and Every Which Way But Loose. And I felt like in cinema in general, that there weren't these movies for southern audiences or midwestern audiences or even just country music fans so i was like how can i can contribute to that and and make a movie that kind of you know is geared towards that those people but right. when i started when i started re- researching country music you know d- kind of diving back into country music yeah i found there was this huge divide that's happening now and there's like a pop country movement and they also call it bro country and then you're okay. there's your kind of and people call them purists but it's like americana outlaw country classic country it's kind of the stuff that sturgill simpson is doing now yeah. and i and i felt like i wanted a, a way to to make a statement about kind of joining those two factions together so i was like well what if you had a young kid who's trying to break in, but he's trying to do the pop country thing. So he's trying to do things that he sounds like everybody else. He's kind of chasing a fad instead of really honing his storytelling, you know, uh, storytelling skills and also knowing like what true country music is. So now he's paired up with, you know, this guy that's Buckshot Thomas. He's been through everything. He's played with everyone, um, and so he's held up with him, and he, you know, learns kind of the lessons of what true country music is. So, uh, how long did it take to write it out? Was it easy just to kick out, or kind of? It was not easy at all. Okay. I had, uh, <laughs> I had, I'd produced uh, some features. Uh, I produced a feature with uh, Octavia Spencer and Melissa McCarthy. Uh, I produced another movie with Lisa Kudrow, and I'd, I'd mostly been producing every once in a while, making short, directing short films. So I hadn't really tackled uh, a feature on my own, and so there was a while where I was hi- I was hiring writers, and that just wasn't going well. So finally, I was like, I'm going to write the movie. I'm going <laughs> to do this myself. <laughs> so, so it, I would say it was maybe like two years, if you want to say, like when I first came up with the idea and started outlining yeah so it 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 was a long hard journey um but it was so fulfilling and and one of the interesting thing is so in the movie when people see it there it you know it's kind of, it's a lot of music i mean it's it's a country music movie. yeah i was actually very much surprised there's a lot of original music that you put in not just like a musical score or overlap of tone but you actually put a lot of good music original music in there yeah. And so and there's, you know, there, there's two, there's more than two, but there's two like really key uh, pieces of music. And so for a long time when I was writing, kind of the last thing I did when I was writing, I was, I was leaving a placeholder for the song. So I would, you know, I'd slot in some cool Willie Nelson or Waylon Jennings lyrics, just yeah. so if somebody read it, they would understand like the tone of that music. And I was really afraid of, I thought I was going to be able to hire somebody to do all the music. And then it got to a point where our budget was crushed and, and slimmed down. And finally I was like, I'm going to have to write the songs. So I locked myself in a room and just started writing lyrics. And I ended up writing all the lyrics for the movie, except for the very last song. 
Is are you more comfortable writing music than movies, or it is kind of? It's kind of this. I mean, it's not exactly the same thing, but it's yeah. you're still telling a story, and you know, obviously, things that rhyme are better. And and I, you know, I'm a real aficionado of the music so sure, i yes, understand yeah. you know so i'm well versed and i could always revisit that those things but uh my poor wife uh she was also the editor <laughs> and the executive producer on the movie but Love i it. would i would write these lyrics and then i would record them on my iphone and i have the worst you know singing voice of known to man and i would text her these songs and she had to listen to them over and over and it was yeah i felt oh, no. sorry for her. she was my yeah. only sounding board you know, so. <laughs> that was my uh, when i was i'm doing my preparatory interviews i i saw your editor was last name smith and i was wondering mm -hmm. if it was somehow a relation even though you have a very common last name i was like it's very true yeah it's like it could it be somebody so that was your wife that edited the film huh yeah, and she was the executive producer, and she's also uh, makes a cameo in the movie. And I think she's she has like one role, and then she also is like an extra in the background. I mean, she did she wore like a hundred hats. She's pretty amazing, as producers and editors most likely do occasionally, right? Yes, they yeah. do. Yeah. Yes, they do. Um, did you guys edit it together, or did she just do it exclusively? She. I had another friend out of New York that. Uh, is an editor and so he did kind of some rough assemblies and then passed it off to Alyssa, my wife and then she edited for probably almost a year and then her day job started getting really busy and i started getting really antsy that we weren't like moving things forward so finally i rolled up my sleeves and kind of jumped in and did kind of the finishing things and retooled some stuff and that was a really eye-opening experience i had edited a long time ago yeah um, on some early projects, but I hadn't, uh, like, I wasn't familiar with the editing system Premiere, and so I kind of had to learn that. And But once I got in there, it, it really, like, opened my eyes. I mean, I know editing is a really important part of movie making, but what you can do and what you can change to make the movie better, is it's really amazing. I always say so. kudos because when I, I, was, I was viewing it, uh, you can definitely notice the pacing maintains uh -huh. it's wonderful it's a lot you know especially for people with independent films pacing is hard to do but you guys did i think a remarkable job of just keeping it going and in fact when you have a lot of slow times it doesn't you know it doesn't seem like it's a force it seems very natural i applaud the editing it's actually quite remarkable yeah thank you i mean that was one of the things too for a long time this is my first feature film that i directed and wrote so i didn't uh i was really hung up on the runtime. Like I was like, oh, it's got to be 90 minutes. It's got to be sure. this. It's got to yeah. be that. And then once I freed myself of that and was like, you know what? The movie's going to dictate how long it is. Like if it's yeah. slow or I'm not just going to put things in there to add 30 seconds here, a minute there. So once I threw all that out and right now it's like know, almost 79 minutes, 78 minutes. Yeah. But I think it's a, it's a good runtime. It's and it, and it yeah. feels like you said it feels you know it flows really well and it hits all the you know points it's supposed to hit. So, uh, where did you guys film it? I mean, it obviously, looks like a lot of real locations. Yeah, with my first thing was so I spent uh, eight years in film production in Austin, Texas, and now I'm out here in Los Angeles, and I really, really wanted to film in Austin, and I wrote. A lot of the locations were written specific for Austin, but 
as independent filmmaking, uh, the journey of that, you know, the budget kept getting shrunk down and down and down. And so right. it just made sense for us to stay in Los Angeles and try to, you know, shoot some B-roll and, and different things. And that was one of the other really interesting thing is that once we decided we were going to do that, I retooled the movie and I wrote anywhere that we traveled to were locations or cities that my wife and I go for vacation or holidays. Okay, okay. So we right. we would pa- we would drive there instead of flying like normal. Like my sister's the the movie you know, ends up in Seattle. My sister lives outside of Seattle. So we drove there, we (laughs) rented cameras, we shot driving shots, blah, blah, blah. Then they're supposed to go from Seattle to Nashville, but they make a detour to Texas. So then my wife's uh, in-laws are in San Antonio. We go there for Christmas. So we strapped a camera onto the car and we drove to and from uh, Texas from Los Angeles and filmed and then I happened I also produced commercials as well and I happened to have a job in Knoxville Tennessee and so I rented a car after the job you know borrowed yeah. the camera yeah. from the <laughs> commercial <laughs> and then I went to Nashville and shot a bunch of b-roll so it was really amazing how we pieced it all together and you know it feels like it's in all those real places you know that is a yeah I, I feel you feel the grant you know I especially when I I've I've traveled from Minnesota to Texas, and you get that flatness and kind of the isolation, and you captured it very well in the movie. Definitely, definitely. Um, um, well, yeah. yeah, I'd like to talk a little bit about uh, our my main character and actor, Tim Desarn. Yes, um, yes, please so, do. Yes, so Tim, is, I've always I've always been in love with character actors. They've always been kind of my, my favorite uh, performers in movies, so... For example, like Harry Dean Stanton, like Slim Pickens, but one of my all-time favorite uh, is Warren Oates. Are you familiar with Warren Oates? Uh, I'm sure as a character actor, if I saw his face, I would know. He's kind of, the sad thing, he's done tons of movies, but the sad thing is that he's most famous for, he was Sergeant Holka in Stripes. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, but yep. he was in like a bunch of Peckin, he was in the Dirty, uh, not the Dirty Dozen, what's the Peckin Paul movie? The Wild Bunch. Wild Bunch, yes. Yeah, yes. he's one of the guys in the Wild Bunch, and uh, he was in some, you know, Mo- you know who Monty Hellman is, the Tulane Blacktop director? Uh, I'm not familiar. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Anyway, so I, I basically wrote the character of Buckshot for him. Now, he passed away in the early 80s. But he was kind of the impetus of what I thought the character oh, was. Oh, so you, you kind of had like him in mind as you're writing this character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then and then we went out to a lot of people, and and there were some big names. And again, the budget got crushed, <laughs> and it started shrinking. And um, I started kind of going back to like, well, what if I found you know a great character actor? And that's when I discovered tim desarn um he's most famous for the movie cabin in the woods uh yes you've yeah, seen that yep yep he's uh, the gas okay. uh, station the gas station yeah attendant. attendant yes yep that's kind of his his big claim to fame um he's played the country sheriff on every tv show known to man he's been on star trek he was on deadwood sons of anarchy um, he, he was in Texas Chainsaw Massacre at the beginning and the original Spider-Man. Um, and he's actually going to be in the new Coen Brothers film, The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. That's oh, wow, coming really? out this year. Yeah. Does it come out yeah. next year? I think it may be at the end of this year. Okay. It's going on Netflix, um, but it's supposed to be pretty amazing. But anyway, him and I really 
really hit it off uh, since, you know, I was a first time director and he was so seasoned. I mean, it was actually the first time I worked with somebody that was that seasoned. I mean, we, we would set it and the cameraman uh, was pretty young and kind of an up and comer and we would set the shots. And basically when you set a shot, you let the actor know that his frame line, he can only go so far to the left. He can only right. go so yeah. far to the right. Yeah. Stay, and, on your mark. Uh, yeah. stay on the mark <laughs> or where is the mark? Right. So bef- bef- we would set up the lens and we'd put a certain, you know, the certain kind of lens and Tim would ask, what lens do you have? And we'd be like, the DP would say, okay, we got a 50 millimeter lens. And he would say, hey, Tim, we're going to need you to be here. And before he could say here, Tim would turn and land and he'd say right here. And it was perfect every single time. I mean, it was amazing, dude. I've never seen anything like it. It's kind of it's, so, you, you understand how the, the the mark, how you know your place is very important in movies. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. So that so that was that made my job a lot easier. And uh, he, when I met with him, he had a lot of the same struggles that Buckshot has in the movie. He had also gone through. So there was the backstory really helped um, him drawing from his personal life. No, he, really he's awesome. very convincing as this struggling magi- uh, musician that has a mm-hmm. little bit of demons in him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was awesome to work with him. And then we had uh, – there's another guy that plays Lucky Owens. His name's Alan Wasserman. And he was in uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm when uh, Larry David in the show would go to pitch to HBO. Yeah, he played he played the head of HBO and he used his own name, so they would go see Alan Wasserman, the head of HBO. <laughs> He's that's you know that's another because we have you you have such wonderful people that you recognize them, and then like my wife and I were doing, we we're like I've seen this. We were as the movie's going, we're like, where would you see these people from? But yeah, Alan Wasserman, the yeah. the um, the bar owner, right? Yep, Lucky yeah. owns the bar owner, yeah. and then uh, another. D- Really, really great actor. I was blessed to have him. Uh, Frank Collison, who plays the blind guitar maker, he uh, he was in the Coen Brothers movie uh, "Oh Brother, Where Art Thou?" Yes, and, yes, yeah. Um, and he was he was in Twin Peaks. Uh, he was just in the movie "Hero" with um, Sam Elliott. Like he's he was so good. He was so good. It's and it's ironic too because he's playing a blind man. Right, yeah, and yeah. He, he, we only had him one day. He came in that day. He did the, he did all of his scenes, and there was something. I just, I, I got, we got home, my wife and I, and I was like, I don't get it. Like I thought he was gonna be better. Like I don't understand. I couldn't see when I was in the room what he was doing, and it wasn't until we started looking at the footage and putting it together that he just blew us away. He was operating on a level that you couldn't see. Only the camera could see it. And that, that was one of the most amazing things that ever happened to me. And it's, it's some of the best stuff in the movie. Uh, His, it, him and Buckshot, yeah. Right. I mean, he's only in there for – but he every the whole time he's there, he's dominating the scene. <laughs> yeah. No, he's so great. Yeah. He's so great. Yeah. Um, oh, and I wanted to give you a little piece of trivia. Uh, I actually found you guys from – my friends are the guys that did Los Angeles Overnight. Oh yes, guy and uh, guy J Jackson. And so Mike? so yeah. so guy J Jackson is in the movie. No he kidding. was a extra in the kind of biker bar where they get kind of chased out of that bar. Was he in the by the pool table? Yeah, he was. Oh he my was. god, I was. <laughs> <laughs> You'll have to go back and look, man. I'm gonna have to go really, back. And look. 
<laughs> he's hilarious in it. He's just in the background, but he's he plays it so funny, man. You gotta watch it. <laughs> I would definitely have to go back just just be, just for him and just for you. I will definitely go back and watch it again. You should check it out. <laughs> yeah, that's great. All right. Yeah. yeah. Um, I would like to talk about um the new guy, Con- Connor Murphy. Yeah, Connor. Um, Connor and actually uh, Emily Davenport, who plays the love interest, we went through just regular kind of casting to find them. They were both up and comers. That uh, that was actually Connor's first feature film, and it, it was difficult because I had to find somebody that not only was a good actor but also could play the guitar and sing and be able to learn these songs and. Man, he just did such an incredible job, and he re- he worked really, really hard, and and uh, yeah, some of the music in there is great. Like, I couldn't be happier. I'm a, I'm appreciative because you do see him perform at a bar by himself, but you kept it so you actually do see him. He does legitimately play guitar. It's not a magic trick or anything. And you hold the camera so he actually knows. He actually demonstrates very well that he knows how to play play guitar. Yeah, and yeah. I wanted I wanted somebody, you know, the, the backstory is that he's from New Jersey and so he doesn't really fit in. He's not your normal, you know, country kid from, you know, the south. And so having that as a fish out of water, I wanted somebody that didn't have that quintessential, you know, kind of Wayland sound or anything. I wanted him to have a really unique sound and uh I was glad I cast him cuz he he definitely he definitely has a, a voice that, that is, is really great, but it's it's not your typical country voice. Oh, <laughs> and I, I feel the character, and he's performing, and I, I've been in the bands before. You see the, the uninterested audience and the people as you're pouring your all your music out it just yep. I, it just goes back and you and you captured it so well with that <laughs> so many times of being, being a band and you see the ah, that's not interesting and then you just it, people it, just get up and walk <laughs> out you know you're like oh my gosh am i gonna make it through this or what <laughs> yeah you don't want to you just you gotta continue on but it, it you captured so well just the defeatism that it ha- when it happens of people just not interested um, it's very true. There, uh, of, I, I'm sorry to add, you did a lot of bar locations, right? In the lo, real legitimate bars. Yeah, the 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 bar that actually uh, the the Connor Murphy Charlie character plays in at the beginning and at the end. They did, I think, the Dukes of Hazard movie there. Okay. So it it had been it had been used before, and then the bar that was the jaybird that was kind of the the bigger nashville bar yes they filmed they filmed borat there there's a there's a scene where uh, i think it's the african-american woman is riding a bull like a mechanical bull okay i'm, rem- I'm getting so, my bearings i'm getting my bearings to remember it. Yeah. i'm a huge cinephile so i'll throw out stuff that that no one would know <laughs> but that's another thing anyway so yeah borat was borat was filmed there and that's actually out in san bernardino um, we looked at the place in Lo- actually in Long Beach where they filmed Thelma and Louise, and uh, it was just too it was out of our price range. Um, so we kind of we kind of shot the whole yeah. movie. The further you go outside of the city, like we were in okay. Whittier, Palmdale, Anaheim, like we were just right on the outskirts, Long Beach for some other stuff. So we were trying to stay outside of the. Los Angeles city limits because it's just so expensive to film at locations. So yeah. yeah, 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 we got lucky in that in that sense. My poor crew though, they had to they had to drive quite a ways for a lot of the <laughs> locations. But 
<laughs> uh, you act, did you legitimately rent an RV or how'd you get the? Because it's a lot of, of the movie is filmed with the RV. Yeah, we. I wanted a different kind of RV. We just kept having to settle for things, and then we uh, we had to film out in the desert to kind of do some of the driving shots out yeah. of, off the beaten path and. Yeah. Our location manager, the guy that owned this, uh, it was a uh, trailer park that was we were kind of using his home base when we were in the desert. He had this RV, and so it was kind of our last ditch effort. Like, oh, we'll get this RV if that's you know if that's all we can get. And so it ended up being all we could get. And I thought there was no way in the world it was going to make it through the two week shoot. Um, but it did miraculously. It never broke down. I, the air conditioning what? never worked, and the it was we, no, we, no. Yeah, we filmed in September, August, September. So yeah, the actors were dying in there, man. We spent so much time in that RV. Oh gosh, some of the art department lived in the RV for some of the movie. Okay, okay, because yeah, yeah. It, it, it kind of became its own character. You know? <laughs> yeah, that's yes, it kind of did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but I mean, some of the uh, some of the things that people have said that the movie is kind of similar to is the movie uh, "Get Him to the Greek." Did you see that with oh, Russell yes. Brand um, and, and Jonah Hill? Jonah Hill, yes, yes, yeah. Much. So I was like, if you imagine "Get Him to the Greek," but then you switch everything, like they traveled on jets and like all these you know limos. But if you do the inverse, you've got these guys traveling, you know, in a crappy RV and staying in crappy motels and, and ending up in dive bars. So it's kind of the inverse of that movie. Um, who did costume for you? Cause it's very well pronounced. Like, you know, uh, Buckshot's outfits and, um, Alan yeah. Watson's costumes. And Man, stuff. I got re- I got really lucky. We literally found somebody at the last minute on Craigslist. Really? Um, this girl, Chloe Early and her parents are like uh, Hollywood prop makers. Oh wow! So she has really? yes, she has more of like, and I think they do cosplay as well. But they do amazing stuff, and so she had a really good eye for design. And uh, I had some really, I I really had a great idea of like what I wanted costume wise. So so, but she did a great job and like I was really happy. I, I wanted it to feel like some of it was a throwback to the 80s or 70s, like some of these outfits or something Buckshot's had for years. And right, yeah. He j- just, you know, pulls them out. So they're kind of tattered and they're not brand new and all those kind of things. But where does he get his uh, handgun from? Because that's a very nice. Yeah, style that of was handgun. a. Pre- it's a it's a prop, man. Like we, I can't remember. I think we just ordered it on Amazon at the last minute, but we were all shocked. Like we didn't know it was gonna look that real, right? But yeah, it's it's. And I was like, man, I got to give it a name and give it its own music. Um, so yeah, calling it Poncho, I thought was really. It it became its own character as well. I do like an old scene. There is a scene where um, uh, Charlie Stillman he. Um, through ways loses his ability to use his phone but then you use the uh, old-fashioned ways of you know uh the phone outside you know the uh, you know the old pay fashion, phone the man pay, old pay phone. Phone. I, and I, I love it's the so old you don't even know what the name of it is you're <laughs> yes. like there's those phones that are outside yeah but i it was almost <laughs> like a treat i was like I, i'm getting the authentic of back to we're going back to the old ways of music and the old ways of traveling and road shows and I just I thought it was a nice treat that you put it in the movie that he, you know you you got to go back to the old ways. I loved it. Well, it's like Buckshot gets rid of that phone pretty quickly. <laughs> <laughs> I 
That's the last thing he wants. Um, another really interesting story. I was saying that you know I wrote all the lyrics for the movies except for the last one. Yeah. Uh, one of the soundtrack contributors, this guy named Ron Houston, um, he has a band called the Six String uh, Sick String Outlaws, and they had put some uh, they had put some movie some music they had sent some music to me to get in the soundtrack, and so yeah. I had written the final song of the movie, and it was kind of a a ballad of of everything that Charlie had experienced with Buckshot throughout the movie. And I had a, a couple different musicians like try to put music to it and just wasn't working. And so finally I reached out to him kind of in desperation. Sure. Yeah. See what he could see what he could do. And he still was like, man, I, I'm not coming. He tried a couple things and we both were like, yeah, this isn't working. And he said, you know, I do some solo stuff. I do like a Thursday night solo gig. And he said, sometimes I play this one song and I've, I've never recorded it. It's just something I have in a drawer. And I really think that it's something that, that could work. And keep in mind, like, yeah. I had only pitched him the movie over the phone. Like, he had not read the script. Um, he just kind of knew the log line of what the movie was about. All right. So All right. he, and I said, okay, great, man. Can you, he goes, you know what I could do? I could record it on my cell phone and I'll send it to you. So he sent me that song and it just blew me away. I was like, how did this guy not know? like all the things that are in the movie. I mean, it sounded like he had writ written the song just for the movie. And so much so I called my wife in. I was like, hey, I told her the whole story. I go, hey, listen to this. And she's like, oh, my God, that's incredible. So then I called Connor, the actor, yeah. and I was like, because he was going to be the one that has to sing it. And I was like, I'm going to let him have the final say. And when he heard it, he said, no, this is perfect. So kudos to him, man. That That song slays me, man. It's so good. So good. Um, my that was, that was my follow up question. I was gonna, are you interested in doing like a soundtrack for the movie? Yeah, <laughs> we're still trying to work out a deal. And and the, one of the things that was really amazing is that um, I wanted to find outlaw country musicians that weren't that that haven't really been discovered. Sure. Because sure. I I, I kind of wanted to treat it the way I haven't myself and this movie has haven't yet been discovered it's you know purely independent independently financed and that's kind of how these guys you know do their music and so i went there's a great site called uh, bandcamp.com okay. okay and you can you can go through there and and listen to music you type in outlaw country and so that was the only place i really went for uh research and i found almost everyone except for the guy i just mentioned before ron houston who found me on facebook and I just emailed him. It's like, hey, man, here's what I'm doing. I like some of your songs. Is there any way, you know, we could possibly use them in the movie? And then I came around across this uh, one musician. His name's Cecil Allen Moore. He used to be called Pee Wee Moore. Okay. And he sent me like four albums. Oh. He's like, hey, man, hey, man, take your pick. And he kind of became kind of the, the the voice of the movie he's got nine different songs that are in there and i'm just completely in love with with his music man he's so good and so talented and and there was another guy named uh ironically josh the drifter um that he has two songs in there and he was just a kid in ohio that was like recording music in his in his bedroom and it's amazing it's like right. some of the best music i've ever heard so it was really good, and they've been helping cross promote, um, and it's just been really great to like have them be recognized with the movie. Uh, it's something I'm really proud of. Well, if you get a soundtrack made, you got one person really interested in having it. That's good to know. That's good to know. Yeah, thank you. That's awesome. <laughs>
Uh, did you, uh, did you, uh, when you're doing the the movie, did you think about like a a, a trip it, like maybe like doing another one, kind of the same or? No, I have uh, the next thing I'm doing is a. It's kind of a. It's a bear hunting story okay. set in the uh, Northwest. So I've kind of already written that and uh, trying to get some feedback and getting that out to people. So now I've got something in the pipeline for sure. All right. All right. So. Did. Uh... Uh, do you still listen to Merle and Waylon and all that stuff? Oh yeah, all the all those things. I just saw Sturgill like a couple months ago, and anytime there's anybody that comes to LA, I go to see him. And then when I'm back in Austin or in Texas, I always hit up all my all my favorites. But yeah, I'm still a huge fan, and and I love the music. It's great. Is there, Glad uh, I was able. Is there any way that, that you're gonna get it into um, South by Southwest? Film. No, we've actually finished our festival uh, run because we we did get acquired by uh, Freestyle D- Digital Media. There's, oh, that's what. Huge... Ha- oh, yep, that's what. Happened. Yeah, yeah, so we we did we won five awards in uh, three or four festivals that we were in, and San Antonio is probably we might do one more after San Antonio, um, but really, you know, usually go to film festivals to then help you get a deal and so we've got the deal and uh we're hoping everyone in the united states will tune in to watch it so i, I like to talk a little bit about um this is since your this is your first time directing uh-huh yeah so what is what are the kind of the different mechanic i'd always love to talk to directors but what was the kind of the new thing that you discover with directing that uh, I, well, I've done i done a bunch of i've done a i did a documentary I, i've done a bunch of shorts okay i i think you know the shorts are really just you know a lot of scenes put to, a short amount of scenes put together and it's kind of easy to hold people's attention you know for six or seven minutes but yes. the arc of the arc and the and the the massive I don't know everything that it takes to put a feature film together is just so overwhelming and and vast because you're trying to do a million different things and you're trying to keep the ship afloat and yeah. you're working with a constrained budget and um i i really f- i mean i love working with my favorite thing is working with the actors and and the script i'm not a real uh cinematography you know doesn't really i want something that looks yeah. great and i obviously think it's a, a huge important part but i think if you're engaged in the actors and the story you'll you know that's what you'll focus on so that's kind of what I I stayed with the actors and and really tried to <clears throat> you know hone them and keep them on the right path. But but it's also since you're doing so many scenes for so many days, it's just yeah. like when you when you're coming back, you have to remember what the scene was before because you're shooting out of order, and like right. that becomes really difficult. There was a few times that I misstepped and I got in the editing room and was like, well, wait a minute, why is he mad? He should be <laughs> sad because. Just the thing over, you know, and so little things like that trip you up and, you know, continuity is a big thing as well as like just keeping things, you know, keeping the right costumes. There's just a lot to do. Um, and it's and it's also just the editing post-production process when you're working on a limited budget. <clears throat> you know, my wife and I for almost two years were editing every weekend and we had to go out and do reshoots and it's, it's a lot to do. It's, I mean, it was amazing. It was, you know, a lifelong dream. Um, but yeah. Since you did a lot of the music, um, 
And you did the role. Did you do actually like a lot of prep work? Did you do like read throughs and rehearsals with the actors before we, shooting? No, I didn't really have that much time to do. Okay. I, I mean, I did some recording with uh, with Connor, and then um, we did. We also did some recording um, for the main music for Buckshot, and then I only got a day with uh, with Connor and Tim to rehearse. So, oh my gosh. Yeah, but we fixed a lot of things, and we came up with some really great ideas, and it, and I, I give them freedom, and and the you know we would yeah. keep things pretty fluid, but I felt like the script was really tight, and so did they. So as long as you stuck to the script, you know we were going to be okay. But I would always like more rehearsal time, but it was more of a money thing than than anything. But did you um and any way do like storyboards or anything like that before or just no i don't really believe in storyboards either i i okay. think storyboards are important if you're doing any kind of action sequences or a fight sequence or something that you have to be very precise or any sure. kind of car work um but you get to the locations and everything that you've storyboard changes because it's not i mean unless you have the, the locations locked like months ahead of time and you know that's where you're going to be yeah, That's yeah. the only time I think storyboards are super important. But the DP and I would just go, you know, the week before or a day before to the location. And then we would just walk it out. We'd say, okay, <laughs> we're going to put the camera here. Really? We're going to have to do this. And, yeah, we would work it out all before we got on set. And there were probably a couple times where we didn't have that luxury and we just kind of made it up as we went along. But um, I had a really strong cameraman, so that really helped me as well. So uh, I would just like to – so you're doing this next project. Could you give, tell us a little bit more about it before um... – Yeah, yeah, I can. So it, it's about a retired uh, – it's a widower um, that's retired. He's a go-kart mechanic and his best – he only has one friend. His best friend in the whole world is mauled by a bear in a bear hunting accident on an Indian reservation. Oh. And he, he – he, this – our main character isn't a hunter – but he kind of uh, takes on uh, a task to go back to the Indian reservation and hunt this bear and kind of like a revenge situation uh, back on the reservation with the Native American guide. And that's kind of the, the gist of it. I, you lose like a very, you do not going to have like a wide cast. You're going to have very few people. No. And it's something that I've done now is that I kind of write movies that, are more minimalistic as okay. far as I, well, I just I had I have another script too that I had for years and years and years. It's a, a high school wrestling movie, and uh, and you being from Minnesota, maybe you're a wrestling fan. Uh, the other is winter sport hockey. Oh, okay. Gotcha. My my father-in-law actually coached high school wrestling. Oh, cool, cool. Yeah, yeah. well, it's about a high school wrestling coach. Um, and I was working on that for years and we had it set up. Uh, we had Bob Hoskins attached. Uh, it was right around the financial, cla uh, financial collapse and like everything kind of fell out. Sure, sure. <clears throat> and so that movie has a lot of crowd scenes. It has, you know, the wrestling teams have like 12 people per team. It's just, it's going to take a lot more money to do that movie. And so it's something that I want to do eventually, but I decided to, lean on this next story because it's something that I, that I could achieve easily right, with yeah. the, uh, the least amount of money. Cause what'll happen is when you try to do bigger things and, and, and you don't have the big name stars or anything attached, it's a lot harder to get money. And then if you have big set pieces like that, that's more, 
even more expensive. So if you write something that's achievable and around things that you have, that's something that you can kind of green light yourself and go do pretty easily. And obviously that, you know, the bigger cast, the bigger cast members that you get, it kind of changes the budget. But if you start low, you can always go up from there. So that's kind of what I do. Do you ever want to go back to like doing short films? Um, not necessarily. Now, yeah. now it's like the technology and everything is so much cheaper. It's like by the time you you do a short, you could do another low budget movie. You know, right? Yeah, for the same amount. So, I mean, if something came along that I was really interested in, I would. But um, no, I really want to stay on the feature tip. Documentaries are tough, man. I did one documentary about firefighters and. It's one of those things I don't like to not be in control, so it was just I, a lot of wait. It was a lot of waiting. Right, I think in documentaries you can't tell anybody. All right, action, right? You got to wait yeah. for them to create I mean, the action. <laughs> I would make a documentary. I don't know if you've ever seen it. It's called uh, Hands on a Hard Body. Do you know about this? No, but I'm writing it down right now. You should check it out. Uh, I'm not okay. sure where you can find it. It was made in the early 2000s, but anyway, it's about uh, a car dealership does a giveaway of a truck every year, and All the right. contest is you have to put your hand on the truck, and the last person to take their hand off of it wins the truck. Oh, I've heard about these kind of games. Yeah, games. yeah, yeah. It's- so I'm like, this is the perfect documentary before for me because it's. That usually only lasts 72 hours, so you only have to film it for 72 hours. Then you do some interviews before and after, and you're done. Right, because they've got one location, <laughs> like, right? Yeah. yeah. Right. right. So I'm like, I would make that documentary. And I love documentaries. Like, I think they're so powerful and cool, um, but they are really hard to make. They're really hard to make. Well, and it's years and years and years, you know, to get what you need. But you got to, yeah. And you, you got you you to get lucky. You know, you really have to get lucky. That was I was going to that. It's a little bit of a luck because you, yeah, you're not in control of the what. Yeah, not necessarily completely control of the. And they're not actors, and they're you know, it's a lot of, a lot of. I mean, Errol Morris is one of my favorite documentarians, and I really love all of his stuff. Um, so yeah, I respect it, but I know how hard it is. So. So I have to because I know you just absolutely love movies. Uh, how how many movies do you actually watch in about a week? Uh, maybe three or four. It's been tougher too ever since I got married. <laughs> Just says you gotta you gotta share the TV, you know? right? Yeah, yeah. You watch one thing that she wants to watch and one that I want to watch. And I used to live at the movie theater. I used to go to the movie theater all the time. I just got the movie pass, so I've been uh, hitting that up. Yeah, yeah I've been so did I. More. Yeah, it was good. <laughs> yeah. So I've been using that. Um, but yeah. I see, you know what I saw the other day that was good? This is totally off the topic. It was on the plane. Okay. Um, it's McEnroe Borg. It's the John McEnroe, Beyond Borg uh, biopic with Shia LaBeouf. Yes. I, isn't it HBO did it? I No, that's another one. They, oh, they, okay. uh, they, they did act, an actual documentary, but this is – I think it's a French – made film it's not you know it's not subtitles or anything um but i think a french company made it anyway i thought since it had shia labeouf that maybe it would be kind of jokey and weird but it's actually really artsy and i really really enjoyed it it's really good what was the title again uh i think it's mcenroe and borg but it might be borg and mcenroe well yeah okay (laughs) one or the other but no i i really really enjoyed it it was great 
Uh, oh, so. and I'll tell you one more. I watched both these on the plane. Yeah, My friends uh, produced a documentary called Delt, and it's all about a blind uh, – he doesn't call himself a close-up magician, a card mu- magician, okay. but he's more like a card shark. Like he can do – he can like do fake deals and all of these different things. He does oh, – yeah. he's like one of the best – Cardsmen. I don't even know if that's the right word. <laughs> People that can do card tricks in close um, proximity, in, right? Yes, but in the world. But he's blind. He can't see. So he's turning over cards, being like, uh, "That's the ace, right?" Or he's turning over these cards. You're like, he can't even see. How does he even know wh- how where to put the card? It's so amazing. He like works out 16 hours a day. He's like constantly has a deck of cards in his hand in his hands. Um, you should watch it. It's a great documentary. Called, I really yeah. enjoyed it. It's called Delt. Delt. Okay. Yep. Yep. It's a good one. So uh, is there any movie you would not watch? Is there like a genre that's kind of eh. – I And I – yeah, this is where I might get thrown off the podcast. I'm not a big fan of like sci-fi or Marvel or – any of that kind of stuff. I really don't go see the big budget stuff. I'm more anything that's nominated for an independent spirit award. Yeah. Like all those kind of things are what I normally see. I mean, I haven't seen, I think I only saw the first Avengers. Um, yeah, I just don't, I don't transformers. None of that stuff really gets me excited. Well, it, well especially cause that's more like spectacle, right? You probably enjoy movies that have a, actually a, a kind of a story to them yeah 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 um because i sure. well i noticed when you film like it, it's not so much a expect you got it's all about humanity you, these two guys together but even though it's wide scale but it's really concentrating on their differences and how they're going to get along well also i felt like we didn't have the money to open up the scope like you you the locations, everything had to be a little more confined, even though it doesn't feel confined. But I, I just concentrated on their faces. Like you really want to see what they're going through and what they're reacting. And you'll be surprised. Like they do say, you know, the eyes are the – what do they say? The eyes are the something to the world. Right. But if you if you can read somebody's eyes and see what they're feeling, see what they're thinking, like that will tell more of a story than, you know, a car chase or anything like that. So with music, Josh, um, did you ever do like a be in a band or do a good? No, I had no. I had no. I'm only a fan. I can't okay. play anything. I can't sing anything. That's why me writing those songs was almost yeah. It was crazy. And I was like, I don't even know how I'm gonna do this. Please help me. I, I drank a lot of beer and listened to a lot of songs and tried to invoke the spirit of Waylon Jennings or something to get me through it, but. I really enjoyed it, man. I once I got in there and started doing it, I wrote a couple extra songs that didn't make it in the movie that I've been trying to pester some of the some of the musicians that I worked with to record, but well, I haven't got them to do it yet. Any chance to be on the soundtrack? We talked about that as well. Yeah, there, uh, Ron Houston's talking about maybe recording that last song. Okay, uh, cool. T- All right. Yeah, because because I, I told you he'd only done it on his iPhone, so he's yeah. been talking to his band about maybe recording it uh and then doing kind of a music video to release with the movie so they're working on that right now which would be amazing and i i have to say so uh did you ever had a chance that idea maybe doing it in black and white i did actually wow that's weird that you said that i i really i really enjoyed um i really enjoyed nebraska 
and they did that in black and white. Yeah. And there's a really here again is my cinephile coming out. Sure. There's a, a sure. really obscure uh, 1980s uh, director out of Austin, Texas, named Eagle Purnell, and he he made he only made three films I think, but two of them are shot in black and white on 16 millimeter. Um, one's called The Whole Shooting Match, and the other one's called The Last Night at the Alamo. And the whole shooting match premiered at – they used to call Sundance the US, USA Film Festival okay. before it yeah. was called Sundance. And Robert Redford saw that movie and he started the Sundance Film Festival because of that film because it inspired him so much. Because you had this regional guy out of nowhere with no money – shot it on 60 millimeter black and white with there was only two actors um and they were amazing and it's just kind of two good old boys from texas and they're trying to get jobs they're just like trying to con people it was just a real like country movie you know like just about country folks and i saw it i I knew nothing about them even when i lived in austin i traveled back to south by southwest and i was waiting to see a movie that was going to be after that movie. And so they told me if I went to see the movie before and just stayed in my seat, I'd have a good seat for the next movie. Well, that movie that I stayed in my seat for was the whole shooting match. And they had just rediscovered it. It had been lost for a long time and they had finally discovered a 35 millimeter print. And man, I saw that and that just completely changed my life. I was like, I want to make that movie. I know how to make that movie. I want to talk to those characters. I want to. I want to do something similar to that. And that the guy had nothing. Like he made it out of nothing was even more uh, inspiring for me. And uh, I actually ended up meeting one of the guys that was in the movie. One really? one of the guys. And here's another obscure all right. thing that yeah. uh, all, all your audience is going to be like, Jesus Christ, but he <laughs> keeps talking about things we have nothing. Anyway, and yeah. Fast Times Original High. Sure, yeah. Judge Ryan. Judge Reinhold's character works at a fast food joint. Yep. And he, a guy comes up and kind of starts accosting him about his fries not being done. Or yeah, the that favorite thing. Right. Yeah, when he has a meltdown. Yeah. Yep. So yep. that's uh, Sonny da- Sonny Carl Davis. That was he was the main actor in both those films. Right. Um, and yeah, that was the guy I said that I met. And then the other guy, uh, Lou Perryman. He has like one line in Blues Brothers, and then I think he was in the second Texas Chainsaw, but he never really hit it big. But he was also an incredible actor as well. So, so but yeah, all, I, I, both I, those both those movies, I was like, maybe I should do it in black and white. But I just I chickened wanna, out. I just want to make sure because I wrote it down. It's called the whole shooting match, and what was the other one? Uh, last night at the Alamo, last but I night. think you can only find it on VHS. They're trying to, I think a print surface and they're trying to, uh, get it on DVD or Blu-ray. Uh, but okay. actually last night at the Alamo is, I, I kind of like it a little bit better than the whole shooting match, but it, it's all about this, this little divey bar called the Alamo in, uh, Houston. Yep. And, and they've sold the land. So they're going to tear it down. And all the old timers that hang out there, they're totally pissed off and they're trying everything they can do to not get it shut down. Like they're going to try to hold themselves up in the bar and not let the bulldozers knock it over. Um, But it's great. And that guy was talking about from uh, Sonny Carl Davis. Oh, actually, he was also in Bernie. Did you see Bernie with Jack Black? Long time. Richard Richard Linkletter. Yes, I've seen it, but it's it's just I got to flashback uh you know like you you see a lot of movies but yeah i did see bernie 
Yeah, he's yes. in that as well. I think he he's the guy that's like sitting at the local restaurant or cafe and All kind right. of yeah, he's an older guy that kind of gives you an update on the movie. Okay. Anyway, I can't even remember my point. My point is the last night of the album I like yep. better. I think it's it's closer to Buckshot, I think. So, would you ever like maybe in the future ever do exclusively a black and white movie? Yeah, I wouldn't be afraid of it. Okay. Yeah, I, well, I've <laughs> talked to other directors. I think it's they're kind of it used to be just for cost savings, like in the eighties and seventies. You're it's right. Just, and no, nowadays, no, but it, but yeah. it still is because you still have to pay for color correction. So there may be some stuff that's blown out that you got to like fix in the black and white, but you're not going to pay all the money to do color correction. We had to do a junk load of color correction on my thing. So yeah, and then I'm doing my own comic book and I wrote the screenplay for it. But yes, it's the same like the thing, it's color, so you have to pay extra for print. I might as well just do it in ink and ink wash and save money yeah. just doing a black and white. And I think the story it fits very well. So yeah, sometimes it's sometimes you do it on a cost saving and sometimes I think it just fits the story, yeah. Yeah, no, that's a great idea. Yeah. Uh, well funny enough, we're uh, headed to Comic Con as soon as I uh, get off this call. So Oh, in San we're Diego? excited! Yeah, we're leaving here in just a sec. You got passes, and everything. Well, congratulations. Yeah, my wife works on a. She's an editor on a TV show uh, that's on Adult Swim called uh, Dreamcore LLC. Oh yeah, and they're with John Grise and uh, Nick Rutherford, and they're doing a panel. So we're headed up for that. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, yeah. speaking of which, and do, and, and do you listen to a lot of podcasts? Are you? Oh yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm do you? Do you ever listen to Doug Loves Movies? Do you know uh, Doug Benson, yes. Yeah. So yes. the guy that plays Mark Wahlberg on there, you ever heard the <laughs> Wahlberg impression? Yes. yes. So he, he plays Mike in the in Buckshot. Oh, really? Yeah. His name's Daniel Van Kirk. He just recently outed himself. Like for a long time, he never told people who, you know, who right. he was as far as the character. But I think. I'm probably spoiling this for people that aren't caught up on the podcast, but I think two or three podcasts ago he finally came out and recognized, you know, himself as Daniel Van Kirk, the the Mark, the Mark Wahlberg, and then he's also on another podcast called Dumb People Town with the Scalar Brothers. Okay, okay, that's a pretty that's a pretty big one too. Yes, it is so. very much so. Well, Josh, I have to say thanks for coming on. I learned a lot more about your movie than other <laughs> movies that I thought I ever would. <laughs> all right. Well, do your homework. Make sure you watch all these other movies. And everyone out there watches Bugshot on July 31st on all VOD platforms. And if you're in San Antonio, make sure you can catch your movie at the San Antonio Film Festival. August August 5th. Um, Josh, uh, I have to say, um, as a person that's frequent Austin, Texas all the time, I love the bats. It's so great. The bats are awesome. And the uh, statue on the uh, – yeah, the Van Zandt uh, – Hey, next time you go back to Austin, go yep. to this little bitty honky-tonk. It's super famous. It's called the Broken Spoke. Broken Spoke. Okay. Everyone's played there. They have like a little museum in there, so you can see like all the famous people that played there. But it's it's well worth it, and you don't even have to be into country music. Like It's just a, it's a blast of the past, man. It's really cool. I definitely have to check it out. I love Austin. So It's a great place. So, Josh, I would say thanks for coming on. We really appreciate it, man. Thank you. All right, y'all take care.